And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as always, I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am doing good today. You know, my whole life is dictated around is the sun shining, right? So today it's not a sunny day, but I'm making myself feel sunny. Uh, But I'm doing good, doing good. I know I say this all the time, but once again, it is not sunny where I am. I'm always saying that on the podcast because I live in New Jersey. So this time of year, we almost never see the sun. But I digress. Stacey, oh I'd like to introduce our guest today. Yes, Macy is here joining us. And I'm excited because I am, um, uh, my friends call me wannabe OT, even, even though I embrace and love the fact that I'm a speech therapist, but I I have so much respect for occupational therapists because I've worked alongside some great folks and it's so important for a lot of our kiddos. So I'm glad that you're here. Macy, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I am actually a, a very long time um, autism consultant uh, slash parent coach and now through a nonprofit, I work as an inclusivity trainer. So I started working with autistic kids uh, 30 years ago. <laughs> Along mm-hmm. with, it's it's something that I am very familiar with, and I'm very I feel very connected and passionate about. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's great that I'm still here after all that time. <laughs> I started working as a behavioral therapist at UCLA, and did that. Uh, for many, many years, work my way up as a clinic mm-hmm. supervisor for one of the biggest agencies uh, in the world. And I really believe because of my autistic identity, I kind of intuitively, intuitively knew that something was not right. So after mm-hmm. doing it for a long time, I dump and ditch. <laughs> and <laughs> I I do that a lot. I dump and ditch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, because in addition to being autistic, I also have the ADHD tendency. So it's very hard to keep up with me. And whenever, you know, I'm out and about my mom, always, I mean, my, my, my son would always say, mom, don't do dump and ditch. You need to stay with me, (laughs) stay with us instead of going this way or that way. But um, yeah, so then I got certified and trained and they're in a relationship based model. Uh, This, this program called RDI relationship development Mm -hmm. intervention and parent coach. So at our clinic, CATCH clinic, we basically only work with parents at home. And I realized that basically my job has been translating autistic expressions to parents. That's all I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2019, I created Autism Career Pathways because I watched my autistic clients grow up and uh, they still cannot get a summer job at Domino's, even though they eat pizza every day. And I consider them a pizza connoisseur. And uh, I I, seriously, that's why I started thinking, Mm -hmm. what's, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, autistic people have worked the hardest all their lives, and the world is not ready for them. Mm -hmm. And through ACP, we really want to figure out creative solutions where 
we can um, prepare businesses mm -hmm. of all kinds to be neurodivergent re ready, but that's yeah. a really hard goal. <laughs> but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> it's the only way to bring about change is if we just keep talking about it and bringing it up and problem solving. And you right. are so correct. It feels like it's never going to happen sometimes. Right. Um, I, I actually yeah. went to, um, I went to Ghana a few years ago and volunteered and did some training in the home and at schools. And I remember when I left, I felt this weird kind of excitement because the teachers had really gained some insight and the parents were really, you know, understanding more and the therapists were doing, you know, more appropriate strategies. And I remember thinking, so now that I've taught them all of this, and now that they are going to gain a skill set to go into the workplace, is anyone going to hire them, right? Like now I've like, did I set them up for failure or success, right? Because now they can, they know they can, other people know they can, but will someone hire them? And, and I was a weird, I wasn't expecting that, right? Because I was like, oh, I'm going to go in and, and, and do this. And then it's going to be, and then I was like, oh, but we still need the other part, right? We need the companies to say, yes, I will hire autistic individuals, right? We need the job um, owner, the well, the business owners to say yes. And so we just have to keep doing what we do. <laughs> That's all we yeah, do. yeah. I mean, yeah. I actually uh, took about a year off as mm -hmm. I was putting together the nonprofit because I want to know uh, what's going on in the mm -hmm. employability for autistic people. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. really shocked because that database of willing companies and businesses, and I'm talking about our community businesses, you know, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. really exist. In my area, yeah. the Silicon Valley, we have you know, these uh, tech companies who are really, truly doing amazing. Uh, uh, they're, they are the pioneers when it comes mm -hmm. to being open to hiring autistic people. And, um, and yet we still have over 85% rate of unemployment or underemployment for mm -hmm. autistic college graduates. And the rate yeah. is actually higher than that because after a while, autistic people stop looking for a job. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's not, I feel like it takes more than a village to, to be able to make change. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about the, you know, there's a autistic, autism community and autistic community uh, but our community at large uh, outside of our circles they really need to uh, be educated differently and to have a different kind of mindset mm -hmm. you know because yeah. otherwise that rate will never going to change right mm -hmm. um, yeah and I I um I have worked with so many non-speaking autistic individuals and my mom's youngest sister uh, is a minimally speaking uh, individual with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I have 
uh, a passion to be able to really figure out a unique way to support this group mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. And um, it's it's not easy. And I was asked actually about what does me- a meaningful employment uh, mean? Like mm-hmm. a meaningful work, meaningful job. What does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a really, really good question because when I think about my aunt, you know, and uh, so many of my non-speaking clients, do they have aspirations to be part of the community in some mm-hmm. capacity? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I actually uh, have former clients who now run a very successful small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, Alex, he's a to- toffee guy. He makes just one thing uh, of delicious mm-hmm. toffee and he sells them mm-hmm. uh, at the events. And, you know, he makes everything by himself and his mom helps him to deliver the toffee. And yet, if you ask him, well, are you proud of yourself or what do you do with the money? He doesn't care. He can't answer mm-hmm. you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think to me, having a meaningful, um, you know, work or life depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And it means that you have something to look forward to mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. day, yes. whatever that may be. You know, you may not be able to pay all the bills, mm-hmm. but you have something meaningful that you can take pride in doing. I think that's the answer. Whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, it could be volunteer work. It could be, uh, uh, it could be, you know, creating art. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, working at the school. It could be anything, really. Mm-hmm. It depends on, it. it's meaningful to the person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I always um, tell my parents, you know, because a lot of times parents don't have that expectation, right? When they get a diagnosis that their child will be able to take care of themselves because they just don't know what autism is, right? They may not have any experience. Um, And I always tell them, you know, the majority of people want to get up in the morning to do something right? What that looks like is different. Whether you are raising children in the home, whether you are volunteering or working for money, the majority of people don't really just want to get up and do nothing all day, right? Um, right. Most people don't. <laughs> there are a couple of outliers, that, <laughs> that, um, but there's a whole lot of you know, dynamics around that. But so what is your, what is your experience in regards to when you were doing the parent coaching? Um, did that have any influence on you wanting to start the nonprofit? Because yes, we have the companies and the businesses that we need to. And I, I, I also think that we're in a really good time in the world where people can create a business online or people can create something. We're not locked into always having to work for someone Um, And and a lot of people are even having to redefine their careers, you know, even with COVID or with, so what it does, did the parents um, either having expectations or not having expectations 
sort of guide the nonprofit because I do know that, and I and I I I ask that because I totally get and understand the child is an individual and they can make their own choices. But the first, you know, 18, 20 years, <laughs> the parents yeah. are the ones that have to, you know, sort of guide and choose and 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 whether it's schools right. or therapy. Right. And and so just wondering if that impacted or was that even something that you had to even um sort of deal with, I guess, with parent coaching. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, unfortunately, today we have still a deficit-based mm-hmm. curriculum um, in basically everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, professionals are being trained using certain kind of methodology and um, those methods uh, aim to really uh, teach autistic people to mask and um and it's it's performative based and um that that's how little kids are exposed to from very very early on the moment mm-hmm. they get a diagnosis and and it's not just the approach but also when you think about in western countries and also in canada canada us uh, you know, all these therapies are being provided through insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like for parents, the moment that a label is being put on their child, they mm-hmm. automatically think I have to provide X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z because it's on this recommended list by mm-hmm. the doctor who mm-hmm. diagnosed the child. So for me to parent this special needs child I have to provide all this right the more Mm -hmm. therapies are better Mm -hmm. so um and I started that way I was part of that therapeutic intervention Mm -hmm. approach 30 years ago and unfortunately then a young child doesn't have uh, a childhood anymore there's no Mm -hmm. time to really enjoy being a kid you know being Mm -hmm. free and if you're an autistic kid you know you are built in to have that free spirit where you love Mm -hmm. the sounds and the lights and the puddles you know being a kid and um Mm -hmm. it it you're being it through the therapies all of those joys are being taken out of you it's being trained out of you because you have to behave in a certain way to learn. Mm-hmm. You have to speak in a certain way, you know, to be able to share your knowledge where it actually doesn't have anything to do like that, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. so I think it's very sad that it is still what we have today. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, this young child becomes what, 18, 21, you know, and services stop mm-hmm. and parents mm-hmm. are still not equipped to really mm-hmm. be able to guide, you know. So, mm-hmm. so these therapies, their performative phase, parent training is also teaching parents to be therapists and instructor instead of being a guide to mm-hmm. a, a child with a beautiful mind, a different mind, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have the manual 
that is much needed to translate, you know, uh, the neurodivergence language uh, to parents and to the community, to society, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's really what Autism Career Pathways, we really want to focus on that piece, the mm-hmm. mentoring piece, because... Yeah. Whether you're a parent, whether you are a babysitter, whether you're a teacher, you're you're a a, a medical professional, therapeutic professionals, uh, at work, HR department, you know, you are given that position to be able to guide someone to figure what what is the best part of this person. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's mentorship. Mm -hmm. A mentor, a coach is different than an instructor. Mm -hmm. Being an instructor is very easy because you just tell someone instructions, (laughs) specific instructions. And a lot of therapy model is very instructional based. It's very formulaic. And we forget that we cannot do that because... Mm -hmm we're missing out because yeah. we're, we're trying to raise human beings. Mm-hmm. That's not, there's no formula <laughs> to, yeah. to be able to guide another person, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. so that's what I'm going to build is mm-hmm. a mentorship curriculum for neurodivergent people. So that puts the accountability back to the adults or anyone who is in that mm-hmm. position as a more experienced person mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're building. So I, I know that this is a kind of long <laughs> winded way to answer your question, no, but uh, I, yeah, I have talked to so many autistic adults through mm-hmm. autism career pathways. I do interviews with autistic people, including non-speaking autistic mm-hmm. business owners who are incredible. And the common thread that I find is that um, somewhere along the line of these people who are of having a fulfilled life more or less mm-hmm. is that they had a mentor or a coach it could be their parents or somebody who really believe in them mm-hmm. and really other people who believe in them before they believe in themselves mm-hmm. and that really made a difference Mm-hmm. You know, and and I wish for all autistic kids mm-hmm. to have that person, right? Yeah, my mom was a game changer for me, and uh, uh, yeah, she was incredible. I was very lucky because I my parents were very different <laughs> <laughs> because I I had learning disabilities. Uh, I mm-hmm. I was not I hated school. Mm-hmm. because I have to hide my poor grades, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel good to try to, like, catch up and you do your work, you get up at 3, 4, or 4 in the morning to prepare for an exam and you still fail, you know. So oh, I, I know that feeling. Right, Torin? <laughs> it sucks. It's the anxiety and it's like, 
I just forget everything. You know, I, I didn't know. But now I know I, I have a number dyslexia, like mm -hmm. dyscalculia. So that it's oh, just I, I have that too. So you do. Oh, yes. Math, <laughs> math sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, school. I know. I know. I failed. I failed. And I had a very funny math teacher, you know, and I loved him. He was so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I still didn't get what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him, but I didn't remember the math. I'm a great part. teacher, but I'm oh, still not learning. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's an example. So funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah I think I answered your cast question. <laughs> no, that was that. No, no, no. I, I love it when answers, you know, bring us full circle, right? And just expand right. um, because it, you know, I like the way you put sort of the mentor in terms of, um, and someone sort of guiding them because, yeah. uh, Torin, the, the last podcast we had a couple of the individuals, um, who were autistic individuals also stated that their parents were, you know, very sort of embracing. And I think that yeah. that's what I try to help my parents to become, because mm -hmm. I fully believe that parents have a lot of power over, um, how their children sort of feel about themselves, not saying that they have power over self-esteem, but if your parents love you and embrace you and accept you, then all the yucky stuff that comes from the world, you can cope with because yeah. you know, you have that sort of safe haven um, and your yeah. parents haven't, you know, sort of rejected you. And it's, it's hard. And Torn and I have these discussions because there's so many other dynamics around parenting, you know, the pressure from family, the pressure from the school. I mean, parents are just bombarded with people saying you yeah. have to do this. One of my moms, you know, was in the grocery store the other day and she was like, I don't think I'm going to go to the grocery store anymore. And I'm like, Oh no, why? And she's like, because I'm so tired of people that I do not know coming up to me, telling me how to parent my child. And I didn't ask them and everyone doesn't have, I call yeah. it Stacy's viewpoint, right? Where it's like, screw you, go away, right? I mean, I think I walk around where people wouldn't even walk up to me and tell me how to parent my child because I just have that persona of I'm not going to go there. Yeah, you really have but that like everyone... fuck off persona. <laughs> so it's, I know I, I used to say that at work. I'm like, nobody asked, nobody, they know not to ask me that, right? Because yeah. they already know where I'm coming yeah. from. But, um, and not in an ugly way, I just set my boundaries very clear. I'm yeah. just, you know, but. Everyone doesn't have that yeah. stamina yeah. or that ability. Yeah. And then when you bring in culture, um, right. you know, cultural pressure of, you know, my, my family is Southeast Asian from India. I mean, they're just like, Stacy. if my child's not an engineer or a doctor, like I can't even go home for Christmas, right? Like there's yeah. so much around that. Um, so, you know, that, that's why we're having this conversation so we can shift yeah. the narrative and, and sort of um, uh, get that uh, out there that it's okay if it doesn't look like the book yeah. that someone wrote that said it's supposed to look like it's okay. Um, but that's not easy for uh, most people in the world are conforming because that's just what they do. People are followers because we can't have everybody leading, but people go into niches because this is what you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> they may be miserable, but it's, this is what you do. And yeah. it's easier than yeah. sort of pushing back. So uh, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead, Torin. Um, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, uh, Messi, you go, you go. So I, I didn't mean to cut both of you <laughs> off the same time. Oh no, <laughs> you, you haven't spoken. So, uh, you know, go ahead. <laughs> I've just been yeah. listening to you because 
Stacy's yeah. asking amazing questions. You have an amazing, amazing answers, and it, it, it's just good stuff. Um, one of the things I want I want to bring up. You mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned things like cultural stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you're autistic. Um, yeah. How old were you when you realized you were autistic or were diagnosed? I'm not sure if you were diagnosed mm -hmm. or not. And mm -hmm. the second part of that question is, were there any signs to the kid that uh, you were autistic? Yes, I think so. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So, okay, so this is going to be another long answer. But it's very interesting, right? Because I have worked with autistic kids. I for so many years. And I think that autistic people by nature, we are very, very curious creature. We mm -hmm. love to dive deep into unknown, like we can really hyper-focus when we want to find mm -hmm. answers. And working with autistic kids, I think has always been my special interest and also my strength because I just connect with autistic mm -hmm. people of all ages because mm -hmm. basically they are my neurokin, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's a non-speaking person or a speaking autistic person. It doesn't matter. We could just hang out and it's very, very easy for me, you know, which is why uh, I'm very good at what I do. And with my psychology training and I got my master's degree in instructional and curriculum design, you know, it really mm -hmm. suits me. But uh, I actually have had the same stim ever since I was a little girl. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I am, I love the, I'm very tactile. Like I love tactile inputs, uh, deep pressure. If Temple mm -hmm. Grandin, well, I think she did sell her deep pressure machine. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. would want one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I would just be in there mm -hmm. every day, you know, uh, or I can be a mermaid because water is my element, you know, maybe mm -hmm. another life. Um, yeah. So I definitely, uh, I think when I was a little girl, when I get sensory overload, there are a couple of things that would happen to me. I would pass out. Like it would just, I had a blackout, it would just mm -hmm. fall down. And I would also break out in hives. Like I was always put on an antihistamine. Uh, when I was very little, I did not chew my food. I would just just put the food in my mouth. And mm -hmm. I had a, uh, a nanny who would just tell me, you know, okay, hurry up. You've been sitting here for an hour. And then I would chug it with water. So obviously mm -hmm. there were some issues with... Uh, like oral motor mm -hmm. and all that. And uh, yeah, and then in school, any kind of crowded activities. So I went to a Catholic school and every Friday we would go to Friday mass and in the close building where the, there were a lot of echoes and it was a very repetitive where you have to stand up kneel down and sit down, you know, I could not, I would just pass out. <laughs> like I would get oh, very no. dizzy. Like yeah. I would feel like all these tingles and get dizzy. And I would just like, so I was excluded a lot in those kind of activities because my teachers and my parents thought that I wouldn't be able to handle, I just wasn't able to handle it. And it didn't happen every time, but it, and this 
pattern continues, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, of course, when I met my husband and got married, I mean, he saw like, you can't really mask your stim, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, after my diagnosis, I told my husband, he was like, well, I knew you were autistic, like about a year after we dated, you know, but, uh, you know, I didn't say anything because I didn't think you were ready or you even (laughs) had that thought about yourself, you know? And so we were kind of laughing about it. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, you're born autistic. I think I have multiple of family members and relatives who are on the spectrum, but I'm the first one who mm-hmm. is diagnosed formally. But even with the diagnosis, there is that shift from looking for answers on behalf of my clients into really uh, making the connections and discovering who I am with my autistic identity, you know, and uh, that is still unfolding for me, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's quite different. But I, when I was looking back, you know, my mom <laughs> didn't just have one autistic people in the family. My mom had several, mm-hmm. you know, and she was incredible. She was just mm-hmm. the glue. She was like, I remember her helping me to do homework after school. And someday she was really tired. You know, she, I remembered her investing in me and giving mm-hmm. me her time. Mm-hmm. And if I got a D instead of an F for a math test, you know, we would go out to get ice cream Friday mm-hmm. night, you know, and there's that appreciation of my effort Mm-hmm. that to me, I still remember that when I, today, when I'm raising two teens, that's mm-hmm. what I remember. You know, I want to be that kind of parent where I, I want my children to know is you, they do, you do the best that you can. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not the, the, the end results or the grades, yeah. you know, um, and, and that's really important. And, and it was very unfortunate. I think today parents are being told what to do mm-hmm. by people mm-hmm. who are full of internal ableism yes. and doing, rec- making recommendations based on such old research methods. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being paid off by mm-hmm. uh, various nefarious organizations. Yes. Right, right. And my mom didn't have any of that. How did she figure it out? Because yeah. she she believed in us. Mm-hmm. You know, she always supported me and my brother. And, you know, it was it was hard for her. You yeah. know, and I look back, it must have been really, really hard for her. So with my mom, this is another, like, something important I want to share to all parents. With my mom, she set expectations for me. She mm-hmm. wanted me to experience life, the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I remember her taking me to a t- traditional market in Indonesia when I was a little girl. It was gross. <laughs> it was wet, smelly. You see chickens running around. <laughs> and it was 
like sensory meltdown overload mm-hmm. for me immediately, right? So I got really dizzy very quickly mm-hmm. and I sat on a crate of eggs. <laughs> wow. Yes. I probably broke a few or something few. because I was dizzy. Uh, right. And my mom, you know what? She didn't scold me. She didn't say anything. She paid for whatever mm-hmm. and she took me home. Mm-hmm. And she never took me to another traditional market. So she took me to other places. Mm-hmm. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. I remember coming home from school and watching her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she had a, a children's boutique, she designed, she makes children's clothing. So mm-hmm. at some point she had a shop and I worked there. You know, and uh, so that's what I mean. It's like you set expectations, mm-hmm. right? I I told my followers on my Instagram parenting account, don't listen when people say, stop being a helicopter mom. Stop being a tiger mom. I said, screw it. Be the parent you want to be. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're a tiger mom. Sometimes you're a helicopter mom. Mm-hmm. So what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? My mom went to my first job interview mm-hmm. she went with me well, actually she just showed up and <laughs> I didn't know she was gonna show up <laughs> and uh uh they actually asked me for a second interview and asked me specifically not to bring my mom <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah but you know what I needed her mm-hmm. I-, I was glad that she was there because mm-hmm. her presence help me mm-hmm. you know and this is what uh what i want to tell parents of non-speaking autistic kids mm-hmm. you know your presence mm-hmm. make a difference you know yeah. and and just be present you don't have to say anything you don't have to do anything mm-hmm. it it means the world to yeah. us when we're just trying so hard to figure out how everything works and we still don't get it mm-hmm. you know and yeah. so I think parents can be uh their true self and don't follow to like don't read too much don't follow too <laughs> because then you just get so confused and you yeah. forget that you can be the parent that you've always wanted to be mm-hmm. and you can I I think that you make a very valid point in terms of be the parent that you want to be. I will say from my experience, many parents don't know what kind of parent they want to be. Many parents have children and did not want to have children. I've had so many mothers cry on my shoulder saying, I never wanted to have children. I just wanted a cat. And I'm like, well, you had three, two are autistic. We got to figure it out. Right. So now you have human beings in charge of caring and nurturing for another human being, and they really don't want to be there. And that's a whole nother dynamic. And that's why it gets really easy for other people to get into your ear. But for those parents that wanted to be parents, um, you know, they just don't even know what that means. Like a lot of people have babies and have no clue what having babies is or what parenting means. And a lot of my work sometimes is parenting, right? Not even like related to <laughs> the getting to the, the autism component. It's really right. just what yeah. do you want dinner time to look like? When do you want to eat dinner? Right. What time do you want bedtime to be right? Mm-hmm. All of those things. Um, 
And, and so that is part of the, the dynamic of being that parent that will, you know, be such a good um, experience for your kiddo is mm-hmm. figuring out your own uh, stuff for lack of a better terminology, yeah. because usually it's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just so much to unpack because there's so many dynamics right. to it. And, you know, we're here talking because we want things to be um, not just more inclusive. I want it to be inclusive with supports, not just, Oh, throw everybody in. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I will say in any meeting, if the school that that we're sitting in the meeting and I know they do not have the capability or the capacity to provide what a child needs. Um, I'm like, no, I don't want them to go into the first grade classroom because that is not going to set them up for success because that's not going to be an environment that Mm -hmm. is conducive. And, you know, I also have a little bias because with my students, I like them to be nurtured and protected. I don't want them to have to go into an environment. And I always say, what's going on in gen ed that's so great anyway? way. We're having a blast learning in my yeah. class. Like, you know, what right. is going on over there? That's so wonderful that we're missing out on probably yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. but, um, so I I'd like to know a little in terms of just because, uh, you know, I'm always talking with parents and trying to help parents. If there's something besides, you know, all the great stuff that you have <laughs> talked about, um, with like just being the parent for your kiddo, When it comes to parents getting to the stage of parenting a teen going into college, um, what is, what is like maybe some of your best, I don't know whether it's advice or Mm -hmm. tips or recommendations for parents, because a lot of times, not all the time, but parents will come to me and say, my child wants to be this, Right but they don't understand to be a veterinarian is a lot of school and a lot of competition to get into vet school. Right. And it's not that the parent doesn't want to support their dream, but even the practicalities Mm -hmm. of anything, right? Like, is that going to be something that you can do? And yeah. And so how can parents be supportive, but guide so that it doesn't end up into this like defeatist point when yeah, they reach for like I don't know. Yeah, how, how I know what you question. mean. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Okay, so I think I think it goes back to really uh, respecting the true autistic identity of that person mm-hmm. as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, since day one, if possible, <laughs> I know mm-hmm. that usually happens later because it means parents have to be in that space where they're also uh, finally ready to embrace their mm-hmm. child's autistic identity, and that's always the timeline is always different for every family. But um, I think that. When parents really understand, uh, for example, just the sensory needs, right? Instead of Mm -hmm. thinking about behaviors, you want to think about the sensory needs and the whys first, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, uh, sensory breaks is so important. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, having sensory regulation tools like the fidgets Mm -hmm. and all that, that's important. That's autistic 
rights to mm-hmm. have sensory yes. regulation access. Mm-hmm. We don't need to, it's, they are not rewards. They're not like mm-hmm. you do your 15 minutes focus, then you get to play with your fidgets. No, it should be the other yeah. way around. Um, yeah. You know, but also, uh, you know, I think parents and home environment should really provide unconditional love and respect. And that includes providing um, time after school and as much as possible to nurture special interests. Mm-hmm. So again, this is one of the things that i discover from my interviews with autistic adults they are usually running or owning a business based on their specialized interests or their components of it or they find a job a position that is they're hired for their strength and their mm-hmm. particular special interest, whatever that may be, right? So I think that's, as parents, we have to be a, a better detective because mm-hmm. we're raising a child who is not yet able to communicate or have the self-awareness or the abilities to really like, oh, maybe I want to try that. Maybe I want to mm-hmm. try coding or maybe maybe I, I want to you know, uh, I think I'll be really good at, you know, doing art, creating art, you know, whatever that may be, right? So Mm -hmm. I think parents have to expose uh, their children to these opportunities. And a lot of times, I think parents also already have those specialized interests that they can share with Mm -hmm. their autistic child. So my dad actually exposed me to sports, as a way to spend quality time with me. He, we used to watch Muhammad Ali, Serena mm-hmm. Williams. We, whenever I get to see my dad, when I go home, tennis is on, we would still watch that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I still, that is my special interest today. Still sports mm-hmm. watching, you know, I love sports, mm-hmm. basketball, American football and so on. Okay, I need to stop because then I'll just talk about no, that. No, so <laughs> look, don't get me started. I'm a huge sports fan too. So there don't, you don't, go. don't get either of us started on that. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> then we'll just totally, you know, but yeah, special interests because special interests can be a way for us to feel good about themselves. It connects us with our community. Mm-hmm. So I have a ton of example. I, I uh, have a former client who loves tortoise and turtles. You know, he wants mm-hmm. an open pet, uh, open up pet store, but those few types of animals mm-hmm. are the only ones he wanted to sell in the pet <laughs> store. I said, go for it. I mm-hmm. have another client who wants to open a fruit stand. You know, he mm-hmm. loves going, he loves fruit shopping. Like, go for mm-hmm. it. Let's work for it. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? And, mm-hmm. you know, so the adults have to be very good detective. Mm-hmm. And you want to build bottom up, right? Instead mm-hmm. of top to bottom, you want to build mm-hmm. bottom up and in a meaningful way, you know, yeah. just because someone cannot hold a pencil to write, it doesn't mean that person doesn't have the potential to be a brilliant writer. And of sometimes, a lot of times, I think the adults, the professional really get stuck on mm-hmm 
on certain goals yes. and something that had a potential to be a potential special interest, you know, the adults mm-hmm. kill it. Like, oh my gosh, yep. I don't want to be like that. If if I want to write a book and I have to hold a pencil in a certain way, mm-hmm. I don't want to write a book anymore. <laughs> you know, what's, exactly. you know what I mean? I mean, people yeah. forget that technology evolved and people who have dysgraphia, people who have all these other disabilities mm-hmm. or inabilities, there is an answer. The technology oh. is there for you. Yes. Undo Definitely. it. And I, yeah. I think, yeah. So, okay. So Torin, I forgot you. I think it was a two-part question, but did I answer both parts or not? Yeah. I, don't, I don't even remember, but everything you said was awesome. So we're just okay. going to run with it. We, we are all about um, just organic conversation right. and where it leads us is where it leads yeah. us. And you know, I got an ADD brain that goes all over the place. I have like three yeah. different conversations with my best friend at the same time, but right. luckily she's accustomed to my communication. Style, yeah. So yeah. She can hang in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, I, you're act- I asking love me the- about the teens. Yeah. You, that's, yeah. That was your question. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I think you answered it. I think yeah. that, I think the, you know, it goes back to, um, you know, for listeners out there uh, who know how I feel about parents really have so much power and I don't think they even know how much power they have. And when they mm-hmm. see it, of course, they're like, Oh, wow. I really like, this is whether it's, you know, positive or negative, but they sort of figure out that I really can sort of support my kiddo. And I say all the time, my students who have grown up to become who they desire to be or still working on because, you know, we're all changing. We we live forever now. So we can have like two or three careers. Um, I I say we live forever. We pay taxes forever now. So so we have to like have two or three careers. You pay pay taxes even after you die. I know it's like crazy. So I, I'm always thinking of when parents will say, you know, what's the therapy? What's the, you know, what was the, And I'm like, it was the parent they had, you know, really, really, you know, of course I never want anyone to have to have crappy school experiences, but I've just realized I can't lose sleep over that every day. Um, because it's a huge institution that we just, we chip away at and it's just anyway. Um, but the parents really are sort of that foundation that, um, yeah. Sort of keeps it all together. And I love that you mentioned handwriting because I say that all the time. I'm like, no, nope, mm-hmm. that's not our goal for it's the IEP. It's useless. It, it really yeah. is. Yes. But, um, I went to write something the other day, Torrin, and I swear I could not even, I've never really liked writing. I mean, I remember when I said I'm not writing in cursive anymore. And my teacher was like, you're in the seventh grade. I'm like, so what? I'm not writing in cursive anymore. It's just too much work. And I don't like to write. So technology was great for me because the motor skill around writing is just like it's useless work. that's the thing it's just it, yeah. it, it, it's an yeah. old school thing but uh messy one of uh, i have a question this is sort of a tongue-in-cheek question but yes. in a way it's real you mentioned how you've come from like the behaviorist world and now you yes. focus on more strength-based emotional-based and support-based uh yeah. counseling is there ever a part of you that wonders if i sold that i could make so much money Cause like, I think that all the time, it's like, if we just lied to people and just yeah. told that like ABA therapy or like there's this magic therapy, we actually have a running gag. 
where mm-hmm. we have a fake sponsor called uh, the Lipschitz family of autism curing yeah. products, oh, where no. we have ver- various <laughs> products that are supposed to cure autism. And yeah. like, are you part, on a serious note, are, is part of you sometimes tempted to be like, if I could just maybe dumb this down or sound a bit more mainstream, it would do so much better for my business? You know, I think uh, because I'm autistic, I would not feel right or be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I had stayed doing the same thing, um, I, I and not dump and ditch. <laughs> you know, I I mean, it was the. It, ABA is a really uh, huge business. You know, it's mm-hmm. very deeply rooted. You know, yeah. it's it's not my fight to replace it. Although I try to educate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, through my social media uh, about just details, the practical yeah. different ways that you can guide your children, whether you're parents mm-hmm. or professionals, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm basically I'm planting seeds, but it, sadly though, Torian, I think if there is like a bottle, like whatever product that, you know, uh, claim to cure neurodivergence, I think it would, sell like like hotcakes unfortunately and yeah and I see that on Facebook groups you know from like Mm -hmm. uh, one Facebook groups uh from my country like it's very still very parents are still thinking that there is a quick fix there Mm -hmm. is a quick pill to fix this you You know. know cures autism yeah, or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. It could be swimming yeah. with dolphins. It could be, you know, this or that. Gosh, it's it's sad. Um, I, I, yeah, it's just very, very unfortunate, you know, that yeah. that uh, there are parents being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually people who make money off of this. Yeah, it's they very do. sad. Yeah. I, I always... I always think it's, um, and you know, I'm not the parent of an autistic child. I'm not yeah. an autistic yeah. individual. So my, right. my, my lens is different, but I, mm-hmm. I just, I understand that there are challenges. Um, but at the same time, you know, I just think if my students, if I didn't have the students that I had who are autistic like there's so much I would miss out on because their view of things I get to see that I would not have noticed. Right. Or some of the things that um, autistic individuals have either created or, you know, written or um, whatever. Right. And it's because of their neurodivergency. I mean, if they were not neurodivergent, it would just be same old, same old (laughs) boring. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I'm, and I know by nature, I am just the duck that goes in the other direction. So I don't like same for anything. I'm not even like a fan of like school uniforms because I have always liked children to just be who they are. Like, especially when they're little, I'm like, oh my gosh, Susie likes to wear a tutu. Let her wear a tutu to school. Like let's, you know, Susie shine and you know, the whole, like, um, which is probably what drove my mother crazy because she's such a conformist. Yeah. (laughs) Like. So anti-conforming. It's easier, um, yeah. 
Oh, it's so it's boring. It's so yeah. boring. I mean, yeah. I just can't even say how it's yeah. so boring if everybody's doing the same thing at the same time in the same way. It's like, what kind of world would we have if everyone, like, if there was no neurodiversity, like, oh my it gosh, like, we very would, boring. I don't even know what that would be. Just, I have no clue what that would, thank goodness we don't know yeah. what that is. Well, um, but, well, it will be very boring. We wouldn't have cell phones. We wouldn't have I computer. Know. We wouldn't, know. We, we wouldn't uh, have the technology to explore other planets, uh, yes. you know, or yeah. to go visit the moon or, you know, um, I, I think that, uh, different minds are needed. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know? of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's fear. I know a lot of people are driven out of yes. fear, you know, religion, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. facilitates fear and conformity so that everything's supposed to be status quo. Um, yeah. But it's anyway, we're just going to keep talking and hope everybody's listening and you're hearing what we yeah. have to say because yeah. we have to shift the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we really, yeah. really, really have to shift the narrative um, because, oh my goodness, there's so much that I have to say, but I'm just going to taper myself because um, there's just so much work to be done. I'm glad that you're there doing, is. you know, and I love so that you said work. it's not my journey you know, you said it's, it's not my journey to, to try to stop. Everybody has their part in this, right? You have your part. Torin has his part. I have my part. Mm-hmm. Other people have their part. And I truly yeah. believe that if we all do our part and work together, it will just be such a better place. Um, I don't, I'm not even, it's definitely not my part journey to fix the schools. I just yeah. can't even, I don't know whose journey that is, but it's not yeah. mine. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's it's one one oh. one time one thing one small step at a time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But I think that if we, I truly believe, if we can shift the way parents perceive their children, the schools will be forced to change because parents together yeah. are not going to tolerate certain That's things. Correct. Right now, yeah. you know, we don't have enough unity. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and unfortunately, schools just. It's so different. You know, Macy, I remember when I went to school and I think often about my elementary school days into before, like, you know, junior high, high school. And, and I remember children, my perspective as a student, I remember children being supported either individually or in small groups, because that's just what the teacher did. There was no piece of paper to dictate that. And so you know, I, I remember those days where, you know, three kids who were maybe struggling in reading were sitting with the teacher and then the rest yep. of us were like independently. And that's the way true teachers were able to teach. I know that they're not able to do that anymore, right. but that worked. Right. And, 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 and sometimes I'm like, Oh, did we like overstructure it? And now, yeah. now, now they're not allowed to even do that anymore without it written down legally. Right. You can't even right. like work with kids. Um, you can't even, some places are so ridiculous. Uh, right. They won't even like let a kid have a fidget because it's not written in the IEP. I'm like, that does not right. need to be written in the IEP. Like right. every minute of the day is not. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 We're focusing on the unimportant things a lot of times. Right. I mean, yes. so let, uh, Tori, Torin, I wanted to ask you what kind of sports do you like? Well, I'm uh mine is Baseball, primarily football, a little bit of basketball, soccer, 
a lot because I played in high school. But okay. I'm base in terms of watching baseball. Right. You love baseball. So my game is, of course, Golden State Warriors basketball and 49ers, you know. So the reason that I ask you about these national sports, professional sports teams, you know, they these big venues, if they are willing to learn about Mm -hmm. true inclusivity. I think they that they can also potentially set a faster momentum, you know. Mm-hmm. So I actually interviewed someone, an autistic person who got hired to to become a basketball special ops manager. Mm-hmm. And the team is Memphis Grizzlies. They're doing really mm-hmm. well this year. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I dream about our nonprofit being able, able to invite and collaborate with Chase Center where Golden State plays or, you know, the 49ers, actually. Um, you know, but, but it's, it's one of those things that I just don't have the bandwidth to do. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I hope that they will. Uh, I, I don't think people really know what inclusivity means, actually. But that's yeah. why we got to define it. I agree because, mm-hmm. for example, sports stadiums can be rough, not yeah. to, to, to say the least. Like, I'm a Met fan. So they play mm-hmm. in a place called City Field, yeah. which the owners used the owner. long story short, the owners used to worship a team that played like 70 years ago called the yeah. Dodgers. They're in L.A. now. Right. But their 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 state the old stadium used to have this rotunda. So when when they built City Field, they built the rotunda. Here's problem: mm. rotunda is the only entrance into the place. Yeah. So forty thousand people get funneled into this bottleneck. Oh wow! And the stadium is literally next to the the, the subway, which is the main right. way to get there. And the subway yeah. has one entrance. Wow! So what you get is this long, long yeah. corridor of humanity where everybody's right. packed Ooh. like sardines. Yeah. Trying to get through, waiting in line, trying to get through the turnstiles, get into the building. Yeah. It's a shit show, and I hate it. And I'm going yeah. to games. I'm going to a couple games yeah. actually this month, and I'm just yeah. gonna be like, it's just gonna suck. I try to get there early, but and you gotta be on the subway, and yeah. So there's it's loud. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, we do. We just launch a, a sensory inclusive certification for businesses. It's called the Better Community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we just started rolling, and there's a process for businesses to do to get educated, and mm-hmm. and then they have to show us you know, the accommodations and events, sensory-friendly mm-hmm. events, neurodivergent-friendly events. And then they get certified. They get a, mm-hmm. this is the window sticker that they, oops, I don't know if you can see this. Can you see it? <laughs> it disappears in your background. Oh, can you? Oh, oh there, there you go. Goes. Yeah, there it goes. There we go. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. Yeah, okay. there it is. yeah. So Got it's designed by neurodivergent people, including mm-hmm. um, uh, non-speaking individuals, you know, so... I mean, my goal is to certify the mom and pop shop in yeah. our community mm-hmm. uh, so that in the future down the road, uh, you know, they might be willing to offer internships or mm-hmm. part-time work yeah. to neurodivergent job seekers, but that's just down the road, you know, but, but I think if 
the Lakers, you know, Memphis Grizzly is the only one doing it. Or maybe there are a couple of uh, stadiums that have sensory-friendly room already, you know, but that's not and usually airports would I'm have. Sure. Yeah, I think City Field actually does. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I yeah. think City Field actually yeah. does have like an autism room. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's those places are tough to be in for autistic people. <laughs> that would, that would be a, a, a trigger for me to have sensory overload for sure. Yeah. And I, of course, I, I kind of like it. I like it when the team is winning. Like when the team is winning, <laughs> ah, I love yeah, the me too. <laughs> but when things are going wrong and the Mets generally suck, so things are always oh, going wrong. Yeah. And you're sitting there next to some drunk assholes screaming. Oh, and <laughs> the opposing fans are going crazy because yeah, they're outnumbered yeah. and they're winning, their teams are winning. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I hate yeah. all you people. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to handle that. (laughs) I absolutely love crowds. Like, I would wait until the last two hours of Christmas shopping just to go in the crowd. Really? I would not do that. I go to... I go to the grocery store the day of uh, the day before Thanksgiving, not yeah. needing anything, just because I love the chaos in the grocery oh. store. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm like, no Ooh, way! Tons of people trying to go down the aisles, but I do not have any interest in sports. And so when I'm listening to you all talk about the teams, I'm like, oh, this must be how my students feel when they like <laughs> don't want to participate in a conversation because I'm like, oh, I'm really not interested. And I tell people all the time, especially my parents, I'm like, nobody wants to engage in a conversation that's not interesting. Like, I don't want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about sports. I want to talk about autism. I want to talk about sensory. I don't want to talk about fashion, right? So I'm going to leave those conversations or I just won't go around those people, right? Um, When I lived in Texas, I literally, I think I went to two social events because everything is about football. And I'm like, I'm so bored. Like I would go to Super Bowl parties just for the food and the drinks and bring a book to read. That's just how uninterested I am in sports. Um, So I'm just like, I'll just stay home. Fine. I'm good. I'll just do something else. And I love people and love socializing, but don't like, I I really wish I would. I've tried. I have two sports children and I am well, I, I wanted to prove a point about special interests because mm-hmm. when you have special interests, you will find your community. Mm-hmm. Of course. It doesn't matter if you love mushrooms or you love, yes. you know, like it, it's, it's always, you, we, you can find other people. Mm-hmm. So I just wish for parents to really mm-hmm. uh, create a sa- space for yeah. their autistic children to explore that part yeah. of themselves you know yes. what do I love do I love water yeah. do I love you know being outdoor do I mm-hmm. run really fast and really mm-hmm. you know get a kick out of that maybe I mm-hmm. know of a couple of autistic non-speaking adults who are they have run the Boston Marathon for the last couple of years they are incredible mm-hmm. They're yeah. so proud of it, you know. Why not? Yeah. You know that that yeah. that is quality of life and mm-hmm. talking about that, redefining yeah. a quality of life as yeah. an autistic or neurodivergent person, you know. And mm-hmm. and a lot of times, I think parents don't realize that they are holding their children mm-hmm. back. They do, and and Macy, 
And I I will say that I had, you know, when I talk to parents and of course, you know, with, with, with autistic individuals, I always learn something because we learn Mm -hmm. from people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I, I remember a mom saying to me that she understood that she needed to, you know, accept and embrace. And she was like, I love my child. And I love that he's right. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. And she said, Stacy, I have one child and there's nothing that I'm interested in that he wants to share with me. And I don't know how to handle that. And that's a valid statement, right? It's Mm -hmm. if you're a mom or a dad or whoever you are, and you like sports and you have a son that's not interested in sports, whether they're autistic or not, it's like, well, what do we do? Right. I have a an engineer architects and, and I'm like all into the Mets and they don't want right. to do the baseball. What right. do I do? Right? right. And so helping parents figure out how they can fit into that, you know, special interest component because they may want to share something that brings them joy, right? Like I really love painting and I really want to share painting with my child, but they're just not interested. Yeah. And so it's almost like the parent is, they have their special interests and they can't share it with their child because it's not meshing. And so that was a struggle for her. And that's a valid struggle, right? right. It's it's her as a human being. She right. has one child that she would love to spend time with, but right. all he right. wants to do is this, right? And, right? and she has no clue about, and it was technology-based, right? right? Now, I will say, backstory she married an autistic engineer and had an autistic right. engineer child. And she's like, yeah. I don't even know who to talk to in my house. Right. <laughs> she's like, I'm not really sure. What um, you think would and, and that's valid. Yeah. Huh? What did she think would happen? Like, she <laughs> an autistic engineer. I'm going to get a dancer. It's like, not two well, plus two, she, eight, she, only five, eight, only she five. is an undiagnosed autistic engineer that through her child's diagnosis, she have realized of lots mm. of moms who. He's an engineer. Will, of course he's autistic. Realize, <laughs> they will, they will realize, um, like, oh, um, one of my moms, it was so funny. She came to me and she said, you know, I know, like I knew, I knew, but I didn't know, but I knew. And she said all of the things, which anyone who's been in a relationship long-term, we know that the things that attract us are the opposite, but they also drive us crazy, right? But we love that they do this, but is also the thing that causes the most conflict. And she said, I really, really just appreciated that my husband was very quiet. He didn't party. He was very loyal. You know, he would, you know, always come home. And she said, but I didn't, put in to the, the component, the other stuff, right. That was right. autism related that she didn't realize was autism related until she had three autistic children. Um, that was getting in the way, right. Getting in the way of, of her co-parenting because it was like not working. Um, right. but just really interesting how the, the wonderful benefits of having a loyal, hardworking, quiet, not party mate right. was actually turning into something very counterproductive when they were trying to parent three children because he was not able to. <laughs> he was probably a bit in, 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 a bit inattentive. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this, this yeah. is why you got to meet people at the club. Just, just find your mate at the club. You know how You know they're social. <laughs> Like they're not that they're, they're good people. They're good people because like like nerds don't don't be going to the club that often. So that's why you guys. You know, on, on a serious note, though, yeah, I, I I get that definitely. Like 
everything you two, I haven't said much during this because you two have just been sort of vibing and it's just been so much value for both me and the listener that, man, I, I can't wait for this to come out. But um, we got to wrap this up. We try to keep these around the length of a long trip to the can, mm-hmm. at least a long trip for me. Um, Macy, where are some where are some spots you can find you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Autism Career Pathways website is www.autismcareerpathways.org. There's an S uh, on the pathway. And then I do my advocacy most consistently on Instagram. Uh, and I have the parenting one, which is my name at Macy Sotantio, and then Autism Career Pathways at Autism Career Pathways and now at Better Community Certified. So <laughs> yes, I actually have the fourth one, but I have someone Indonesian who can speak the language to run that one. So, but, so I don't count that in because it's not in English. But <laughs> uh, also on YouTube channel, Autism Career Pathways, that's where I put all of my interviews uh, with autistic uh, people about their career journey. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I think that's that's it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, but that's LinkedIn is so boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, how LinkedIn works. Yeah, I probably should, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, I just love to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I yep. do. Yeah, yep, that's exactly. it. And yeah. and those little little seeds grow, and then they I spread, so. and, and that's what we're doing to shift the narrative. And it does, yeah. Macy. It really does. It does. Um, It really does. I received a message this morning. I woke up to one of my moms in Australia and it was the most wonderful message of how she has really shifted and, and really just, and, and now she's shifting others. Right. And so that is just a wonderful thing. Um, And she's just an amazing mom. She's so good with her and she's right there. I can't wait for her to listen to this because she is exactly on that point of her son yeah. is very talented and she wants to foster that into a career. Yeah. Um, unfortunately yeah. she lives in a country that is right. not fostering right. and the schools are not. fostering, yeah. And so well, it's a struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The autism career pathways, you know, young people are connected on Instagram. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is a very safe place. Mm-hmm. I do interview people from all over the world to talk about their work and what, how they mm-hmm. got started. So mm-hmm. I, I'm very proud of it. Uh, it's a very respectful, safe place. So, you mm-hmm. know, teens can come in there and just uh, check things out. And hopefully, yeah. you know, um, we have to continue to dream. You know, no, because no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, the best is yet to come, right? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Stacy. Absolutely. But, but Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on yeah. everything autism. That's like that's yeah. our new that's like our new sign off. We're looking for yeah, a sign that's off. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's we a great sign off. To. We have but, to. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And then when it's you, you just send me the link, mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll help you get it out there. No problem. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Thank you for for joining us, and also thank you for all of your wonderful words that I know are going to really give a lot of perspective changing for families, and hopefully those listeners who are 
business owners or at the college yeah. level. Um, so yeah, definitely. Connect, Thank yeah. you so much. Connect with Autism mm-hmm. Care Pathways, donate mm-hmm. to Autism Care Pathways so I can hire uh, other autistic people to yes. help me mentor. Yeah, that's it. All right. All right. You guys well, heard thank that. Thank you. Have uh, a great rest you. of the day. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, find us on Twitter at Shifting Autism. You can follow Stacy on Twitter at Autism Sage and Instagram at Everything Autism. Follow me on Twitter at TK underscore Aspie on Instagram at Autistic underscore Author and on Facebook at The Autistic Author. Thanks for listening.